0: The devil made me do it! Welcome to Is It Philosophy? For thousands of years, philosophy has been the domain of the elite, a form of thought placed on a tall pedestal. Well, not anymore. I want to take it back to its roots, simply the love of wisdom. A guest will join me each episode as we try to apply critical thinking to a new topic. At the end, it will be up to you to decide Is it philosophy? All right, everybody, we are back again. Today, I am joined by Jay Smith, correct?
1: That is correct, Matt. Thanks.
0: Just making sure, because I forgot to ask before we started recording,
1: which is terrible of me.
0: (laughs) The topic today is kind of an interesting one. We're going to talk about, does good and evil exist, or do good and evil exist? I am not a grammar person, (laughs) My wife and I were talking about that before I come up here. I think both sound right in my head. I'm sure one is better over the other. If you're a grammar Nazi, forgive me. Not the point of the conversation. So bringing it back, Jay, I like to give everybody the first crack at this. So I'm going to throw it in your court to begin with. What are your thoughts on this idea of good and evil?
1: Well, uh, a little bit about my background, Matt. I spent a little bit of time being a graduate student over at the University of Arizona doing philosophy. So I was super excited to get a chance to sit down uh, when you were looking for guests. And some of my work was on this exact question about does good and evil exist? And what exactly do we need to be thinking about when we are thinking about those terms? So I think there's a a couple ways that we can answer the question. And I think that's what's going to be where things are weird. And the first one is just this. I think ostensibly we all talk about good and evil in reasonable terms in the sense that when I say good, you at least have an idea of what I mean when I say good. And when I say evil, you can at least point to things in the world that you might think are evil in that sense. And so I would say, yeah, I do think good and evil exist. I think there are real concepts and terms that we deal with every day.
0: You're taking the stance on yes, which is great because that is exactly the opposite of my stance. I wholeheartedly believe... They, they don't exist. They're totally fabricated by mankind, by us, as a way to keep people in line with what society and religion or whatever the governing body of the, the existing place mm. wants you to do. And therefore, good and evil are totally subjective, totally subjective. In my opinion, something subjective really can't exist. It, it can't be a legit thing we follow.
1: I think that's an interesting take. And I, I think a lot of people feel really drawn to that position, which is, well, when I say good, maybe it's a little bit different for good, right? Maybe maybe when I say good, what's good for me isn't good for you and vice versa. And I think there's a certain allure to that. So when I say things like good exists, what I mean by that is we can reference that and we can think about actions, right? So altruism is a really interesting case and altruism is when a person or a Organism acts against its own self interest for the better of the entire unit. Right. So, people like diving on a grenade to save their friends. That's a great example. And I think when we talk about stuff like that, that's pretty clearly good. But I think there are other cases too where when we talk about evil, that it's much easier to get to that. So, for example, a lot of cases that people like to point to are cases of genocide or, you know, abuse of children or anything of that sort. And so, for me, when we think about those things, we have this visceral reaction. To those events and we say oh my god what that person did was evil or what that person did made them evil even yet and so i think when we look at it from a perspective of is there actually a functional use to that word that absolutely is the case now if you mean to say that is there objectively right is there an object that i can point to in the world that is evil qua evil or evil per se i don't think that would necessarily be the case right i mean It's not like, for example, Prius are evil, even though I think some people might say that. I believe so. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And as somebody who rides a motorcycle regularly, I'm kind of inclined to that position too. But I do think that there's not necessarily an objective sense of evil in that term, but there is definitely evil, right? We can think about the Holocaust or the Rwandan genocide, or we can talk about the Armenian genocide or various other acts, which are very clearly systematic demonstrations of wrongdoing against a population. I think those acts are evil, but I'm curious to hear more about your perspective about why you think that isn't the case.
0: I know for a fact, and I'm throwing this out there now, I'm going to get a crap ton of hate email on this <laughs> when I say this, and I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. Bring it on when it happens. I don't see any of those acts, genocide, abuse, as inherently evil in themselves. Okay, and I say that because, so let let's take genocide to to start with. There is this certain idea, and maybe it's just me, but this this idea that without these acts, without these things going on, it's almost like population control in a in a sense where these things have to happen to. Regulate the amount of resources being used by us and the planet and whatnot. If we're looking at it as a global whole, the act itself, I will wholeheartedly say, is evil. The, the thing that this person doing is, is definitely evil. But in the grand scheme of things, it's really not. It's benefiting everybody. Think about the amazing medical advances that were brought about because of the Holocaust. We learned so much about the human body from that. And I know again I know I'm going to get email on this, but I don't see that as, as an evil as an evil thing. In the grand scheme of life, the individual act wholeheartedly evil thing. But taking the thousand foot view of it, it's really not evil. It's it's a beneficial. It's brought us to where we are medically in in our current society.
1: It's interesting to take that position. Um actually I really appreciate that you do. I think that's a it's so bold yet. Yeah. So controversial, Matthew. Uh, but I think the it's not an uncommon position either, though. So when we look at the religious kind of discussion, there's this thing called the problem of evil. And specifically, that's when God, you think, might be always good or all powerful and able to do all things and know all things and still lets evil exist. How can that be the case? while also we see things like that, right? And one of those common responses to that position is exactly what you're saying. It's like, listen, just because you see actions that are evil inside themselves or seem to be, doesn't necessarily mean they don't work out to the good of all things. And there are lots of people, theologians and philosophers who've taken that position. I don't find it a very attractive one. And I think the reason I don't find it very attractive is because I don't necessarily buy into this view that if something generates good, At the very end of it, that precludes it from being bad. And that is not necessarily uh, a position that I find attractive. And I don't think most people do. So take, for example, this, like if we were to say, I know, God, I I hesitate to even use some of these examples, but I'm just going to use them. Let's see what happens. Let's say, for example, that I know that it would be in the best interest of a country if I were to assassinate their leader, right? Everything would work out to the good of Mm -hmm. that. Would that justify the action in the end? And that one's difficult for me. Like, would it be right to destabilize a country and cause suffering to hundreds or thousands of people and also in the same process take over, right? So if you look at other examples like the Iraq war, the Iran war, or various other actions that the United States government has taken, right? Oftentimes we say the same thing. And for me, that doesn't feel very alluring. I want to say there's something different about that action Wherein, if we're not actually respecting those people and respecting people as, as it were, an ending of themselves, then we are not necessarily uh, being moral agents.
0: So, is it? And correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think it's Machiavelli who who's famous for the ends justify the means. And I, I think that's kind of my take on it. Is and I know that's that's terrible to think, but in all in all fairness, no matter what we do there There is some benefit that's going to come from it, and there's also going to be some bad that comes from it, right? The stuff that happens, the take the like you said, the uh, the iraq war and and assassinating a, a leader of a country. yes, you're going to to destabilize that country. You're going to cause people to to suffer in some way, shape, and form. But honestly, don't we suffer anyway, regardless of what happens? Isn't everybody suffering in some way, shape, or form? So are we really causing that much harm to those people? by taking out a leader that is gassing hundreds and thousands of his, his own citizens and and causing tremendous death to people, is that really so bad to take him out and then in the long run, build a better, more stable society? I, I don't know.
1: At risk of adding more weight to your argument, I'll bring up a couple of examples here. So there is a I hesitate to call him a philosopher, but he's definitely a cognitive psychologist and he's a cognitive scientist named Jonathan Haidt. Are you familiar? I'm not. So Jonathan Haidt did a lot of work in moral ethic and moral thinking. And what he concluded, now I I hesitate to say concluded, but what a lot of his work seems to allude to and point to is that our feelings about morality are grounded in the grotesque. And so one of his examples that he gave is this. So imagine that you had a brother and a sister, all right? Let's assume the brother was sterile. They were both STD free, but they both agree to engage in consensual sex with one another. Now, Jonathan Haidt would say, well, the rational part of us seems to think that when if they're engaging with the right type of precautions, there's no actual danger of a negative effect, that it seems to be that it would be a moral action, right? No negative is coming out of it. So it couldn't be the negative thing that's grounding whether or not that's a moral thing. But nevertheless, we all seem to have this grotesque response to it. Like, dude, that's your sister. Maybe you shouldn't do that, right? And that seems to be, for me, the, still the same thing. And so there's been a lot of discussion about, okay, what makes an action moral or what makes it immoral? Now, I think at the very least, there are two kind of systems at play here. So I think the first one, which I think you're leaning into is kind of that rational side, which is, okay, when we're dealing with these complex events, we can make rational decisions and decide, well, maybe this is the good thing, or maybe this is the bad, right? But I do think for the vast majority of our moral reasoning and our moral judgment, we're leaning more into this idea of just this kind of like grotesque response, wherein we say that was wrong. It was wrong of you to steal. It was wrong of you to violate that person's autonomy. It was wrong of you to do X, Y, or Z. And so I, th- I can see exactly the allure of that. Now, what I do think is this. We all speak about morality in a way that seems to be fairly systematic, it seems to be okay for somebody who is poor or hungry to take from the rich man that you feed themselves. A lot of people seem to have that intuition anyway. And it doesn't seem to be okay for us to say exterminate an entire race of people. And that seems less good too. That seems, as some might say, evil. And I lean toward that. So I think when we're talking about morality and we're talking about good and evil, it comes to that kind of a position where we must say, okay, on one side, yes, there are going to be some of these actions that are just you and I are just kind of talking about a thing. Maybe there's not really a lot of sense to it, but there's a second order of it. There's a second idea about morality where I think it does exist. And I think when we're able to actually pay sufficient attention to those things that we're able to say, okay, and evaluate very clearly and consistently and as a group toward the same end, whether or not an action is a good or an evil one. And so I think this is where for me, I I see where you're coming from and I appreciate that stance because listen, there are lots of things we all do all the time which feel morally unjust, right? For example, maybe you drive in the carpool lane when there's only one of you in the car. A lot of people do that. Or maybe you do something far worse than that where you steal to make sure that you are able to survive. And so it's difficult, though. It's a difficult kind of supposition to make. But I still think at the end of the day, we talk about good and evil regularly enough in a clear way that we can honestly say, yeah, no, I do think good and evil exists.
0: So I I think... For me, anyway, there there's a very big distinction between good and evil and and morality. Morality has a different sort of weight to it, a different connotation than just the if we're if we're going on the biblical path, than the religious take on on good and evil, right? We think angels and and demons when we think good and evil, whereas morality, I think it, it's more of a much more heavily weighted on personal choice, right? I was reading an article today about how depending on where you grow up is going to change what you believe is moral and, and your moral, moral stance. If somebody in an Asian country comes to, to the U.S., it's immoral. It's seen as, as an insult to walk into somebody's home with your shoes on. Yeah. We in the U.S. have no issue with that. We, that's no big deal, right? We do that every day. So morality, I think, gets into a very, very gray area on this whole idea of what's good and bad and right and wrong i I wonder, though, if can we really equate the two in a way that satisfies everybody? I don't know any other way to put that.
1: No, I think that's a really good point, right? So there definitely seems to be this distinction, right? Uh, sometimes when we think about evil, we want to think about a little cloven-hoofed man running around with a pitchfork and chasing people through the field. And that's definitely not a thing that exists, at least I don't think it does anyway. Gosh, I remember this is a random story, but I knew this woman who told me every time she go into a Trader Joe's that she felt like demons would attach to her. So she had to pray so that she could cleanse herself. And that's just crazy, right? Like uh, that to me was just out there. But I do think it kind of lends itself to the discussion. And so I think when we're talking about morality and systems of morality, oftentimes we're just talking about violating somebody's autonomy, breaking an expectation, a trust, some kind of contractual agreement, something of that sort. But I do think when we talk about evil, we're really referring to some extended action wherein it's so egregiously bad that we use that. And so the word evil itself, unless we want to think of it as the little cloven hoofed goat man running through the field is really just an expression of a moral action. That's really bad, like really bad. And we tend to talk about them pretty consistently, I think. And so I think that's part of the the game here is that we want to talk about evil as if it was just this really egregious or really awful objective thing, like this actual thing that exists, but it doesn't seem to be the case. And so I think that's where the discussion gets a little bit misframed.
0: I don't necessarily disagree with that. I, I think one thing you you kind of brought up, and I wonder how many people have used this as an argument for their own behavior, but the the woman who had to to pray when she went into Trader Joe's. How many people have used the argument, the devil made me do it, to sort of justify their own natural urges to do something that mm-hmm. they then later go, man, that was evil or bad or wrong or against my moral beliefs or religious beliefs. I can just blame it on the devil because everybody knows the devil is bad and the devil made me do it, right? And so we then can can justify our own behavior, our own instincts as something outside of ourselves and give that the evil connotation, the evilness. It wasn't me. That was evil. I would never do that. It was, it was this thing outside of me that made me do this. And then, and I'm going to take it a step further before I let you dive in. If it's the case that something outside of us is, is causing us to do this evil, disgusting thing. And we don't want to take credit for it. Do we then get credit for our generosity for our caring behavior, our compassionate behavior, our empathetic behavior, because if the evil thing is outside of us, then so is the the good thing, the, the thing that helps people.
1: I think, gosh, you know, it's such an interesting thought, too, to kind of think about this. There are some people, some theologians, like Augustine of Hippo, he thought that evil didn't exist. Uh, he thought that evil was only the absence of good action, right? So kind of like whether heat exists or whether cold exists, for science, really cold doesn't exist, right? And heat kind of doesn't exist either, but heat is really just active atoms that are moving around very rapidly. And that's what you see when you have heat, that's what's generating it. And cold is the absence of that thing. Similarly, good and evil are in the, have the same relationship where an evil doesn't exist. It's just the absence of good, right? I think it's an interesting thought. And I think one of the things that we get caught up though, in is talking about, Uh, morality in singular action. That action was good. That action was bad. And try to define ourselves in terms of that. Like, I'm a good person. I'm not an evil person, so on and so forth. But we get caught up in these much bigger systems that cause really bad actions too, right? So uh, I identify as Christian. I grew up Christian. I was raised in that environment, hence knowing the lady who thought she had to pray every time she went to Trader Joe's. And I see the damage that systematic type of evil wreaks on people's lives so for example like the organized church for me i actually see that as in some ways an example of evil action it's not that i mean all churches are evil by no means do i think that there's a lot of good that comes out of those communities too but there's a lot of bad that comes out of those communities as well where people find and don't even realize the damage that it causes them and so That to me is an example of evil. And when, for me, then when I think about evil, I think about these systems that don't treat people as ends in themselves and don't actually pay attention to the complexity and the gravity of the situations that people are in. So, you know, we might, for example, think of, for me, racism. Racism is a great example of evil because it doesn't any longer treat people as individuals or pay any attention to the background to which they come from. It just makes a judgment about them. There's something inherently wrong with that person because of the color of their skin or because of their culture or whatever kind of scarecrow you want to hide behind. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, that's evil and that's serious evil, but maybe it's much more difficult to talk about whether a person is evil or anything of that. And so I think when we're getting to this, we get into this game of the definition of terms, right? I think that's really what all philosophy is, and at the end of the day, is really talking about defining your terms. But we get into this game about a definition of terms and saying, is that thing evil? Well, maybe. But to give definition to that is really, really hard. And I think this is where religious and kind of the religious discussion gets to when they're talking about the problem of evil in that we can give these redefinition of what the evil might be. But there's the second part of it, which is what we call the experiential problem of evil, which is to say it's simply this it's the reaction that you have to the awful thing. And that's much harder to reconcile with some ideas. It's much harder to reconcile with kind of your experience of the world to say that evil doesn't exist. It requires, as it were, some kind of mental gymnastic, at least I think so, to get to that place. And so for me, that part is still there. We still experience evil. It's still a thing that I feel. It's still a thing that I see out there. And it's still a thing that I want to call things. And so there's some kind of content that's working there. And so... That's why I think evil exists
0: that leads me to a very interesting thought. I actually I wrote it down while you were talking because I didn't want to forget if we're going back to the idea of religion and the idea of of racism and homophobia and all of these things that some of the more out there more crazy, if you will, churches like to preach, can something be evil or can somebody be evil if they don't realize their behavior is wrong or evil? for instance, if I'm out there preaching what I have known since my birth and been told every day, every hour of every day from my church, from my family, from everybody I surround myself with, that homosexuality is wrong. Those people that practice it are evil. They're going to hell. I don't believe this FYI, but I'm just saying right? that these people are terrible. And so I I preach that. I take that into my own life and I use that for my own means. Am I an evil person? Because I don't know any better. This is the only thing I've ever been taught. I've never been shown how their behavior isn't necessarily evil. It's a, and it's not a choice they make, it's the way that they're born. Is that an evil person? Is that an evil behavior? Or do we give them a pass because they don't know it any
1: other way? I'll say this my own inclination is to hesitate always from calling it a specific person evil. Um I think when we do that we are really moving away from something else we're making a judgment value about them but let's let's take the question on we can think of examples like this all the time for example let's talk about a psychopath right psychopaths are really interesting because uh, you know I was just talking with somebody the other day and they were telling me about a an experience they had working in the mental health field where they had a psychopath that really took pleasure in causing people pain and the question is, okay, how do we deal with something like that? What is going on with that person? And I think it's easy to make an evaluation about them is to say, yep, that person's pure evil. We should probably kill them or dispose of them or whatever it might be lock them away, right? And so I think we can make those kind of judgments and we can talk about that kind of thing, but I would hesitate to call that person in particular evil per se. Here's what I would say. I do think that we have responsibility as moral agents to change our behavior when we are aware of it. And if we're unaware of it, it's difficult to do that thing. What we then have to ask is, should that person have reasonably come to the place where they would have realized otherwise? And I think that's the where we start doing it. We start to assign this deficiency in the person saying, listen, man, it's clear as day. Gay people probably aren't evil. Uh, but also, I <laughs> probably aren't. I don't <laughs> think they're evil at all. I've got quite a few friends that are. Look at me hiding behind that defense. But no, like I don't think gay people are evil. But I think we can pretty clearly say they aren't. And we have a reasonable expectation of them and of our friends of coming to that same realization. And that's where I think the like political discussion gets really interesting, right? Because nowadays on the left and the right, there's a tendency to say, oh, you're an evil liberal or you're an evil Republican or whatever it might be. And I myself identify with the left, but my parents identify as Trump supporters. That creates this kind of tension between us. And, you know, there are people who will ask me regularly, how can you remain friends with your family? And I think the answer is simply this. I don't view the world the way they do. And I don't come from that perspective that they do. And I think, again, this comes back to an appreciation of people as people. So to answer your question right on one, I don't think that people are evil in and of themselves necessarily Two, I do think that people can have moral failings for not realizing things, but three, it's really hard to tell sometimes when that's the case. And we have to have an appreciation and respect for people as people. And when we do that, the idea of calling somebody evil, the closer you look at somebody gets harder and harder and harder to do. And so maybe, maybe there is a moral monster out there that we can point to. I don't know. You could probably think of somebody and whether you're, However you identify politically will probably influence what you think.
0: My mother, I'm kind of not politically, but my mother is probably one of the most racist individuals I have ever met in my entire life, whether it be black or Mexican or any of she's she's got a reason to hate every culture. I don't, I don't get it. I'm not that way. I, I personally, I, I think there's fascinating things to be gleaned from every culture on the planet. I'm one of those. I want to learn everything I can. She's not. So for me, I've tried and tried and tried to work with her and to help her see the value that can be gained from accepting these other people, e- even just mildly accepting, even just tolerating these other cultures and these other ideas at the end of the day. I have to kind of look at the idea of of racism and and her racism in particular as as an evil because she has known better she has been raised better her mother isn't racist uh, but nobody in her uh, nobody else in her family is so that that leads me to believe that that behavior is intentionally evil and intentionally designed to harm and hurt and I think to me that's kind of where that falls into something being evil or not is not the not the grand scheme of religion on it, but how it affects the people around you and how it affects the world in general. And if your ideology, if your behavior, if your way of viewing something causes harm or destruction or even a misunderstanding between people, it's got to be, if not evil,
1: at least bad. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. And see, I think we're coming back to what I was talking about originally, where I think we can have these functional definitions and descriptions of evil. It's like, for example, and I have a similar experience where somebody who I do care about very deeply. Um, I grew up with this person that we've been pillars of support for one another through times. Uh, they recently said something to the effect of that. The only reason that black people are intelligent is because they interbred with white women. <laughs> and, Yeah, that was about my response. I was just so shocked by this statement that I couldn't believe it. And so I responded, obviously, negatively. Now we're not really on talking terms, and that's okay. I hope someday we we come together again, and I hope there's a change of heart there. But it's kind of like describing a dog. If I wanted to give you a definition of a dog, I'd be pretty hard-pressed to come up with a very specific one. I could do it in these broad strokes, like four-legged generally, fur generally barks sometimes and nevertheless any description that i give about it will fail in some regard in most individual cases but i can point to them pretty regularly and say that's a dog that's a dog that's a dog that's not a dog now however we want to get to how i got to that point that's up for debate but i do it and you do it we all do, right? Anybody who's been familiar with dogs, maybe somebody who wasn't familiar with dogs may not do that very effectively. They might see a Great Dane and a Chihuahua and be like, those are clearly two different animals. But more or less, those of us who are familiar with them know that they're not. And so I think evil's the same way. I'm pretty hard pressed to give you an individual description of what an evil action is. But when I see it out in the world, I know it. And I think that's because we as humans are majority moral agents. And evil as a moral function is something that does exist and we can refer to it because we see it as a deficiency. We can point to it and we know that's something that was evil. And even if we might be able to give rational descriptions of it, we still have that experiential problem, right? Like you said, the Holocaust did produce good and there were medical advances in it, but nevertheless, we pretty well can point to those advances themselves as being perhaps good though we might object to how we got to them. But still saying that the Holocaust, as it were, and as it existed, was still a terribly evil action. And so that, to me, is what evil is. I think good is likewise the same thing. I'd be hard-pressed to give an individual description of what a good action is. But I do fairly consistently and reliably refer to it.
0: I like that approach to it. I think... And before we leave, and I don't get to say this, I wholeheartedly think the Holocaust was a terrible thing. I'm not trying to, to bring it around to this amazing light that it's this awesome thing that happened. I don't, I don't think that. So before I get the the evil hate mail coming my way, my example wasn't to try to promote it as being good, just to, to throw that out there. But I, I wholeheartedly think that we can we can find good in all the evil that has happened and evil and all the good that has happened. I think that's always going to be the case, which is why, again, I have to come back to my original statement of, I don't think that they inherently exist separate from each other or, or in any way that we can really pin down a, as being a good and evil because they don't, you you can't point to it and go, this is an evil action because that action probably has something behind it that is good or is probably doing something or ha- causing that person who is doing it some form of of pleasure.
1: There's this interesting book out there called "The Female Face of God in Auschwitz" by Melissa Raphael and in it, Melissa Raphael talks about how and she's a she's a Jewish philosopher. I want to be clear so if anybody can talk about this, I think it's her. She talks about how the Holocaust was this interesting case where in certain goods were able to be revealed in them, even if it was in itself an evil event, uh, goods like people caring for one another and goods like people attending to each other's needs and trying to smuggle each other out. And there's all these examples of that type of caring for one another that occurs during that time, which we can point to. And for Melissa Raphael, what she thought was that it was this event that allowed us to really see the caring and nurturing side of God. And I think that's a really interesting take on it. And so I agree with you in that respect. And I don't think, at least I didn't take it that you were trying to say that the Holocaust was a good thing. I hope
0: not uh, because that was not my intent.
1: Yeah. But I do think you're right in that respect is like, and this is, um, this is the common response by theologians, which is simply this. There are some goods that can only exist if evil exists. That's what they think. And so, my own stance on it is I'm not so sure I'm willing to commit to that view, but I do think it's like what Mr. Rogers said, right? Look for the helpers during the times of crisis. Uh, We can appreciate things when bad things happen and we can appreciate goodness about bad things, even if they are on the whole bad. And so that's my feeling on it. Then that's kind of my take.
0: I like that. I think that is a, a great spot to end it on and to, to kind of leave the conversation at, One thing, though, before we go, I do want to give you the opportunity to promote whatever it is you do. I don't know if you podcast or or, or blog or any of that, but whatever it is that you do or you want to promote, I would love to give you that platform right now to do that.
1: Well, hey, I appreciate that. I myself am a producer on a podcast as well called Better Left. It features Sarah Smith, former congressional candidate. She was well known for running with brand new Congress and Justice Democrats who've been featured in such full length documentaries as Knocking Down the House and we talk a little bit about politics. We talk a little bit about religion. We do some stuff like this, but we, we mostly focus on local politics out of the Washington state and West coast area and a little bit of national politics too, because you can't get away from that kind of thing uh, right now. That's our main focus. So you can check us out at betterleft.net or you can find us on really any of the big podcast services, Spotify, Apple podcasts, you know, the drill under better left and just look for the left arrow sign. And that's where you'd find us.
0: I do appreciate you, you joining me today. I think it was a very interesting conversation. I'm, I'm still, I'm leaving though with my original idea intact of, I don't believe they exist separate from each other or existed at all.
1: I think we would agree as long as it's from a certain point of view.
0: I I think so. Definitely. Well, I I appreciate it. And again, Mm -hmm. I am thankful that you came on and joined me today.
1: Yeah. Thanks a lot, Matthew.
0: Okay, so there it is. Is It Philosophy? Go to our website at www.isitphilosophy.com and leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you on Twitter and Facebook as well. Help us grow by going onto iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and subscribe. And take a moment and leave a review. Until next time, question everything, seek your truth, and don't be afraid to speak your truth.